In today's episode, we're speaking to Daryl Sickle. Daryl is the world's leading expert on trust with over 22 years of experience. His PhD, Building Trust in Hostile Environments from Duke University, established him as a global leader uh, for governments and businesses and NGOs on practical approaches to building trust and recently completed his book, Building Trust, Exceptional Leadership in an Uncertain World. So let's speak to Daryl and find out how he changed his life by changing his mindset. Let's find out. And if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link at www.molinafoundations.com and let's upgrade your mindset. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Girl Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We have the amazing Daryl Sticker. Welcome, Daryl. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us, Daryl. Daryl, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are, but please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. So I am one of the world's leading experts on the topic of trust. I teach people how to build stronger relationships. Fabulous. So Daryl, talk us through, you have a, a very, very interesting journey as I was looking through your website and looking through your um, your bio, etc. Talk us through, how did you um, come to you know being, being the leading in the world as well? So how did you get to this stage? What led you here? What was your journey? That's a really good question. And it, and I try to talk through, you know, I, I released a book and I, I talked through my story about how I got here. I was born and raised in a small town in Northern Canada and fairly harsh conditions. You know, it was a fairly isolated community, about 13,000 people minus 40 was not uncommon. Um, And so winters were hard and there was a sense of community. People just had to pull together. You know, you didn't drive by somebody on the side of the road because you knew it might be you someday and you'd need someone to stop and help you. And so I grew up in that background and and with this belief that, you know, the strong should protect the weak and that, and that if you could help people, you should. And so there was this sort of ingrained sense of wanting to help people, wanting to be, have impact, be positive, those kinds of things. I grew up playing hockey. And when I was 17, I was playing at a fairly high level and I got attacked by a fan with a club and beaten unconscious uh, wow! Yeah, and and then a, a player attacked me after they pulled me out of the crowd. And according to one of my teammates, I stopped breathing three times on the way to the hospital. Wow! So, well, why 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 did they attack you? If you don't mind me asking, and the and the player too. What was the cause of this? Yeah. So we were we were playing in a an even more remote community. Uh, we were beating the home team. And we had we had fewer players than they did, so they decided that their best strategy was to try to fight us out of the game, like ah. to run us out of players. And so the game got rough, tensions got high, and I was too close to the boards. There was a gap in the glass where the gate was, and a guy just reached out and grabbed me and 
pulled me halfway over the boards and he brought a club with him. Uh, I was the team captain and we were 17 and 18 year olds playing in a junior league, which meant that we were playing against guys up to 21 and it, it led to a bench clearing brawl as they were carrying me out of the rink. People were throwing beer bottles at me. My team went into the stands. It, it was just an absolute gong show. Wow. Um, wow. I mean, this things like that happen even now? That's just... Well, this was in the 80s, 1983, 84. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm legally blind. So as I was growing up, I knew that my vision was going to deteriorate. And so I had planned on training my brain so that I could think for a living because there were so many things that weren't going to be possible for me, right? Like mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be an airline pilot. I wasn't going to mm-hmm. be a a long haul truck driver. I like, there were a lot of things I was not going to be. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden I had such a severe concussion. I had the attention span of a fruit fly. I, I went from being on the honor roll to, to just not being able to pay attention at all. Um, oh, because the head injury. Yeah. And so now I have that experience of feeling like such a profound sense of loss and feeling mm-hmm. helpless and hopeless, and it provoked an even stronger sense of empathy within me because now I've, I had experienced some real struggles. And so the first two years after the, uh, after the incident, I, I kept getting concussions because we didn't know a lot about them. Mm. I kept playing hockey. I played college hockey. I kept getting knocked out and I just did really poorly. I tried to go to college. I failed everything. So I transferred to the university of Victoria and started studying psychology Mm. and people would just sit down next to me on the bus and say, I'm really having a hard time. You know, complete strangers would just start to open up to me. And I thought, I wonder what's causing that. What is it that's provoking that in people? Mm. And so I also thought if this is going to keep happening, maybe I should get paid for this. Um, (laughs) You might as well. So I I started down the path towards becoming a clinical psychologist. Mm. And so I worked with, families in crisis and troubled teens and street kids and uh, worked on crisis lines and all those things to try to hone these skills and, and become better equipped to become a clinical psychologist. Mm. And I got partway down the, that path. And I realized that a lot of the families I was working with, a lot of the folks I was working with were, were just stuck. They were doing the best they could. Mm. But even if you could see a path forward for them, they struggled to get from A to B. Yeah. And I thought this will drive me insane. You know, I can see the path forward. I can see a, a, a place where you could actually be happier, have a more functional life, and and you can't get there, mm-hmm. right? The winds are so free, infrequent. And so I shifted and went into public administration, started studying public admin, and did a master's degree in public administration, worked in native land claims in British Columbia. And so we're still claims from within indigenous populations. And they would ask me these deep philosophical questions of government or and they asked me was, how do we convince a group of people that we've shafted for over a hundred years, they should trust us. And I was like, wow, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. Yes. And, um, and I, I said, we're in government, right? Like, mm-hmm. how are we supposed to convince anyone? Because we can't make promises that hold governments that follow us accountable. Exactly. And so, you know, I said, maybe it would help if we were trustworthy. And that didn't go over nearly as well as one might hope. Uh, and so, yeah, governments are one thing that's not trustworthy. They struggle, right? Yeah. It's it's um, 
and and we have the wrong incentive structures in place. Like we're not getting the leaders we want. We're getting the ones we're stuck with. Yeah. Um, well, the ones we would want uh, don't come forward because they they don't follow the the you know, the the agenda for a lot of the time. So they don't get the funding. They don't move ahead. So people like you know, I'm not going to say the names now on on this podcast, but yeah, the current leaders, especially in Canada at the moment, um, you know, I, yeah, there's we lots. Get- of- we get people who are self-involved. A lot of exactly, people. Exactly. So I think that's probably the better word, self-involved. And, yeah, they're narcissists, and, and, right? Yeah, and they push the agenda. They push the agenda for some other beings. Yes, not, not that, that's not the highest good for the, the community at large. Right. And the, the people that we would actually want to lead us say, why would I put my family through that? Yeah, exactly. You know, they actually care more about their family than just themselves. Yeah which is exactly what we want. We want someone who cares about others. Um, And so so I shifted again and, and I went to Duke and did my doctoral thesis on building trust in hostile environments at the business school there. Okay. And I had the good fortune of having a couple of folks on my committee and it just, life makes sense in retrospect, right? Well, when we look back in in, in hindsight, (laughs) When things are happening, it just seems like chaos. Yeah, but Kierkegaard was, I think, the one who first said that was, you know, life makes sense backwards, but it has to be lived forwards. Yeah. And so it feels now like there was some sort of grand plan or intention for this whole thing, because I ended up at Duke, and the year I showed up, uh, a guy named Sim Sitkin showed up, and he was one of the leading experts on trust mm-hmm. at the time in academia. The year after, a woman named Karen Cook showed up, and she's another one of the world's leading experts on trust in terms of academia. And they were both on my committee. And you know, after I finished my doctoral thesis, they sat me down and they said, okay, so we had a conversation between the two of us when you first came to us and said, hey, I'm going to look at building trust in hostile environments. And we said, too big, too complex. He never solves it. We'll give him six months. And then he'll come crawling back to us and we'll let him chisel off a little piece of this and that'll be his thesis. And they said, six months in, you were so far beyond us. We couldn't help anymore. Mm. All we could do was sit and watch. And they said, here we are two years later. We think you've solved it. And so I went, I left you, went to McKinsey and Company, big management consulting firm, and started applying the concepts that I developed. And, and McKinsey said, well, you got really good client hands. You know, you're great with clients. And so we're going to send you to the worst places possible. So I'd go to places where there had been strikes where there was a hostile takeover going on, where where people weren't getting along or didn't want us there. And, you know, had some amazing experiences and was getting to apply the model I'd developed and, and see it actually take hold. And I was learning so much. And then in 2001, I was on my way to a client site in a cab and the cab rear ended another vehicle and I ended up with post-concussion syndrome. I had probably my 10th or, you know, I've lost count, but it's at least 10 concussions Mm -hmm. and I didn't bounce back the way that I would have liked. And so I ended up with pretty significant fatigue for the first couple of years. There was real problems with memory and concentration. I I couldn't work 80 hours a week anymore. That's for sure. That's what I was doing at McKinsey. And so I ended up starting my own little company called trust unlimited. And one of my former colleagues came to me and he said, you know, look, I'm head of strategy for a mutual fund company now. Just come talk to us. And so I find myself in front of 400 people talking about strategic competitive advantage. 
sustainable competitive advantage. And I said, that means you do something better than your competitors that they can't copy. Mm-hmm. I said, you don't do anything I can't copy. I said, you're, you're a mutual fund company. You have to be transparent. I buy one share of every fund you have. Now I know how they're all built. I can sell what you sell at a discount because I don't have to pay the fund advisors. Yeah. And the CEO looked like I'd hit him in the forehead with a sledgehammer. I said, the only thing you can do is build deep long-term relationships with your customers. Yeah. And they said, that's it. That's our strategy. And so they paid me to build a workshop out of my thesis. And that was the first training I did. I trained everybody. I did problem solving and coaching and, you know, trained the sales staff, the marketing team, worked with the senior executives. And after 18 months, they hired a professional survey firm. And they found out that trust was the primary driver of the sales decision and that they were dramatically more trusted than any of their competitors, which hadn't been the case because of the training. Mm -hmm. And so they generated 75 cents out of every new dollar that came into the industry for the next two years. Oh, wow. Taking 75 share of the market. That's yes. Yeah. Wow. And so they were part of a global financial organization that started sending teams from all over the world to figure out what what are these people doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And from that, I realized this works, right? It's not perfect, but it works. And so it started this 20-year journey of helping people better understand what trust is, how mm. it works, and most importantly, how to build it. And so I worked with nonprofits. I worked with private sector, public sector. I worked with the Canadian military trying to help them figure out how to build trust with the locals in Afghanistan. Mm. Um, I've worked with families just all over the place applying this model and learning the whole time and as, you're, as you're speaking about this my you know my entrepreneurial brain is going on 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 hyper mode and it made me think this is one skill that's required in everything you do like everything you do you need to build trust yeah. with your colleagues you need to uh, as an as a leader as i'm um, having multiple companies you need to build that trust with you know in yourself with your um you know subordinates your your team members and so forth and yeah. if you have multiple businesses then you know if they com- need to communicate each other they need to be you need to have the trust element between the companies um you need to have the trust element of both with your accountants with with your um in-house um bookkeeping your um, customers and, then, and most importantly you're you're with the sales are coming from your customers you know they need to trust you yeah. You know, because people buy from people, they don't buy things, they buy from people. And this yeah. is one of the major driving forces that I mean, especially in the coaching industry, people don't, you know, somebody could have a premium program, someone could have a cheap one, um, and they could both be doing the same thing. But if you go for the premium one, because you trust that person more. And that's why they're because they're able to instill that trust within you. They're able to charge higher fees compared to yeah. somebody else who is not able to do so. The skills you um, are talking about apply across the board for yeah. everything, personal and professional relationships. Yeah. And we've seen there's tons of research that tells us that retention rates are higher. Yes. The engagement's higher. Yeah. People are happier. Yeah. Customers are more loyal. You're yeah. more innovative. Yeah. There's just this host of things. And you're bang on. You know, mm-hmm. the more senior we become, the less direct control we have over outcomes. Yes, absolutely. The, the more all of our goals and objectives become dependent on the actions of others. Yeah. And they need to be as well, because otherwise, if you are doing everything yourself, then you're not achieving much. You, you know, whenever, you know, got to the top by themselves, you have to, you know, you take a whole community with you. 
And it has right. to, and in order to, for, for you to do that, you need to trust your team members and you need to have your team members trust you and especially your leadership and the fact that you are true, honest and authentic. And even if right. you are as a person, sometimes that doesn't come across as well. And it's, yes. and, and this is a major factor. You think, well, I am honest, but you're not able to convey that across to your clients or to team members. Yeah, that's so such a good point, right? Because I talk to people about the different levers we can pull to build trust. I think there are 10 levers and I, I leave people with very practical applied approaches, but I'll say to them, okay, so three of the levers are benevolence, integrity, and ability. Benevolence mm-hmm. is a belief. You've got my best interest at heart. Yeah. Integrity is, do I follow through on my promises and do my actions line up with my values Yeah. and abilities? Do I have the confidence to do what I say I'm going to do? Yeah. I explain those levers to a senior executive and they say, well, I do all those things. Mm-hmm. And I say, says who? Yeah. Cause if it's me telling you, that I'm those things that carries very little freight. You actually have to believe it for it to have an impact. And, you know, when I work with families, I'll say to the parents, I'll say, who here has their kid's best interest at heart? How many hands do you think go up? All the parents, all of them, right? When I flip the question, I say, how many of your kids would say that? It's about a third and it's somewhat hesitant. So if it's not obvious and it's not landing in a place where it's supposed to be obvious, then how well are leaders doing at showing benevolence, showing integrity, showing ability? Because it's, you know, I come on your podcast and I want to do the best job I can. I want to be one of the best guests you've ever had. But how do I do that without asking you? What yeah. what makes a great guest, right? 100%, and, and yeah. How do we do that without asking some of your listeners? What makes a great guest? Yeah. What gets your attention? What brings you in? And so... I've been applying this stuff for 20 years now. And it's one of the things that differentiates me. You know, there's there's a bunch of pieces of my model that don't get covered in most of the trust literature. Um, and it's because of the journey that I took, mm. right? It's it's because of the, the hardship I experienced. Sometimes a hard road is a good teacher. Uh, the hard road is always the best teacher. I, 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 I really absolutely truly believe in this. That yeah. in order for you to you know reach greater heights, you have to go through roads which are the the hardest and the and the most rotten. And you yeah. will and you will come out if you go through some a path and you don't come out with bruises and scratches and you're not bleeding. You, that road has any hard enough. It hasn't taught you enough. Uh, yeah. And so you know the harder your life, the more prepared you are to get um, arrive at greater heights. And I yeah. truly truly believe. It. But I also think. Hard roads can do two things. They can either make you better or bitter. And yeah. it's your choice which one you take. But if you choose to be better, you have more authority, you have more integrity, you hold more respect, you have more self-confidence, and you're able yeah. to perform better. And that, in turn, instills a lot of trust in those people who are w- working with you or following you, including yeah. your children. Because when you were talking about kids... I thought about for a second. I thought, let me give it, think an honest answer for my children. And I'm I'm a I'm a desi mom. I call myself a desi mom. Like I'm a South Asian woman. I was born and brought up in UK, but I don't give a talk. You know, I'm a Pakistani woman as as far as I'm concerned when it comes to as a parent. So I don't. You know, the 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 soft whatever. I'm not a soft mom. I'm a very strict mom in certain disciplines and very cool in other as well because I'm a very hip mom as well. But right. when it comes to education and discipline and you know making a bed and blah blah, I'm very very much you know got South Asian mentality and there's no you don't you don't talk back to mom and whatever else. And but having said that, I think when I was looking back, if I asked that question to both my kids, hands down they would say my mom's got my best interests at heart. 
because yeah. I they 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 do trust me and I trust in their judgment because I know whatever decisions they make they'll be correct because I'm not making the decisions for them I'm encouraging them to make decisions be it for education whatever else because they have to study hard but what they choose to study is up to them and so forth but I was thinking the reason why I'm able to do that is because not only do they is how I react with them because my my kids see how I behave with right. my clients, with my, my relatives, with people around me, and how hard I work in my multiple businesses, yet it's around them. So they're my priority, even though I've got 10 businesses yeah. on the go, they're my priority. And so all of that action combined, not just one element, all of that action combined instills that trust in them. Yeah. And yeah. it's and this is something that I can't teach. And I can't, you know, I won't be able to tell them to trust me. They have to do it or they don't. But, right. But when I look at my life, and my life can be seen as very, very hard. It has been very, very hard. But yeah. again, because of that, my kids would respect me. They do respect me. And they see, okay, mom's been through that, but she's laughing, she does this, and they are able to move ahead. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah. I love that, you know, your, your, your own personal journey can become a source for people to respect you and to trust you because you've been yeah. there, done that. Yeah. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. I have a relentlessly positive story when it comes to my kids. Hmm. I'm on their side. Right. I'm in their corner. And when my oldest was 12 years old, he looked at me one day and he said, dad, even when you're upset with me, I know it's about what's best for me. And he said, you, you've always got my back. And once they have that story, once they have that narrative, they interpret our actions differently. Yeah. Right. And so when we are firm or when we set boundaries or when they come to us and ask us questions, they know that what they're getting is honest and caring and, deeply held yeah no one cares about my kids as much as i do and they have conversations with me that i never would have had with my parents you know i (laughs) i swear to you (laughs) there are there are times when they're telling me things and i want to look over my shoulder and go dude your dad might hear this (laughs) 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 oh wait a minute i'm sitting right here and so you know we start that and one of the challenges that we face is when i think about my kids i think about today and tomorrow, and next week, and next month, and next year, and 10 years down the road. And I want the best for them. Yeah. But I want them to engage in behaviors that are good for them for years from now. And I don't hold myself to that standard, right? And our kids are thinking about right now. Yeah. And so we need to be able to come alongside them and help them be successful in the moment. Yeah. So that we earn the right to talk about the future. And so often we're, we're trying to get them to do things that will help them down the road without getting their buy-in without including them in the conversation. And this oh, is without winning their trust. We have to win the trust first. That has to be, either, yeah. if it, it, even if it's done, even if they gave you that to you as, as a child, as an adult, they may not trust you as fully. And therefore right. a trust is earned, not demanded. Exactly. So, you know, a big part of what I do is I help people understand the different levers we can pull. Right. And how to pull them. Right, because we all have the ability to build trust. Some are just better than others. Yeah. And so those those who aren't very good have a lever that they pull, and usually it's the ability lever. 
yeah. right? I have these kinds of credentials, this much experience, this background. You know, those who are better at building trust have multiple levers. Those who are really good have multiple levers and they know when to pull which one. Mm. And so my journey has been helping people better understand what the levers are, show them how to pull them mm. and get them practicing and experiencing Oh, so this is what it looks like to pull the benevolence lever. This is what it looks like to pull the integrity lever. This is how I pull the ability lever in a way that actually lands, right? So instead of me just deciding what good looks like, I actually include the other person in the conversation. This is what the context looks like, right? Because context is another area that, so I think that uncertainty is a combination of, or trust is a combination of uncertainty and vulnerability. Oh, both. Hands down. Hands down. I think so. I I think you have to open yourself up and be vulnerable for somebody else to trust you. And also because if they trust you, they're being vulnerable with you. And so in order for them to trust you, you have to share, give first and share your vulnerability with them. When you were saying this, I was, I remember having a conversation with one of my other businesses that I'm, I'm building at the moment and I'm buying this business at the moment. And I remember having this conversation just a few days ago and everything you just mentioned, I think I did it, but I did it unconsciously because that's just part of my yeah. character. So yeah. I, I did, I shared the the vulnerability part, like why and whatever else. And because I'm, I'm I'm a full time mother and a business person, second, so I shared the fact that you know the reason why I want to do this because the half term and kids will be on holiday, so I'm able to take time off. Otherwise, I can't, or I had to move the the call around because I have to go pick and drop my daughter. I share that very fact that I'm a single parent and I'm my my life revolves around my kids. I'd never apologize. Yeah, for that. I just I do it yeah. that way, and so. I, and I and then I shared my thoughts about what I wanted from them. So I shared a lot of personal things, which is being vulnerable. I, I you know, I, I'm very true to my words. I do what I say I'm going to do, and I follow through. So they've seen that right. for me, and therefore they've got they, we've got a sticking point where we were trying to find an agreement with. They're a bit concerned, and I unfortunately because of the transactions week, I can't back on. I can't compromise on that. And I was trying to explain to him that you have to trust me, and as I, as I trust you, but I told him well, how I trust them. Right. And by being vulnerable and how I'm taking them for what they're saying, et cetera, et cetera. And it showed that and it, it I, I just didn't I didn't realize I did that without even thinking because it was just instinctive. You know, yeah. I, I was taking the you know, ability, I can do it because I'm very good at marketing and I'm very good at business. So that's already done. And I'll explain to them what my plans are for with the company. Um, right. vulnerability to show so that they can trust me because I'm trusting them, sharing personal details with them. Yeah. And and the and the final thing is about, you know, having empathy, understand their concerns and you know how I can leave it and what can what can I do to help them and, right. you know, and so all of those factors I did. And that's the reason why I'm very good at what I do, because I didn't think I didn't think that was the case, but that's how I built trust because somebody else was yeah. asking me a question. I said, well, you just, you know, speak to them and be truthful and honest. But that wasn't it. It was more than that. It's what you described. <laughs> but I didn't right. without realizing what I did. Right. And so we start to think about what is the vulnerability that they're experiencing? Yeah. Right? How are they vulnerable? Well, th- this is something they built. They care about. They want to see it succeed. Yeah. That's where their anxiety is. And so you've shown them the ability. Now the question is around integrity, around benevolence. What are their best interests? What does success look like for them? How do you help them get there? These are all the different pieces that we start to pull, right? And so trust is uncertainty times vulnerability gives us a level of perceived risk. And we each have a threshold of risk that we can tolerate. And if we go beyond that threshold, we don't trust. And if we're beneath it, then we do. And so early in relationships, uncertainty is really high. Yeah. Which means that vulnerability has to be low for mm-hmm. us to still fit below that threshold. But as that relationship goes along and deepens, 
then the range of vulnerability we can tolerate starts to grow. And, you know, a big part of what I do is help people start conversations, communicate effectively around, let's close the gap between how much I should be trusted, how much I actually am. And, you know, the reason I wrote the book and the reason I have, you know, I've got a masterclass and I've got in-depth courses, all of these are aimed at scaling what I know and what I do. Um, You know, I was working with one of my students in Luxembourg and what I do with all my students is I get them to apply the concepts. I get them to pick someone to practice with, Mm. right? Because so much of our training and learning and growing is fire and forget. I downloaded a bunch of content to you and you go away and then you try to apply it and you're like, what did he say again? How did that work? But now I've had this journey where I'm really trying to help people apply the concepts. And so I'm working with this one student and the relationship he picks is his two sons. They're five and three. And he's become estranged from them because he's been working away for most of their lives. And he says to me, the relationship's broken. I don't think it's ever going to be possible to fix it. I I get upset, anxious. I'm so nervous. I always say the wrong thing. I get angry and frustrated and they're scared of me. And after the three-month course, you know, with coaching and training and showing him the model, his final report was everything has completely changed. My children run to me now. They throw themselves on me. And he said, they fight over who gets to sit next to me at dinner. They beg me to read them bedtime stories. They can't get enough of me. That's the impact I want to have more broadly. I felt like I was dropping grains of sand in the ocean. I need people to help me pick up great big rocks and make huge splashes. I love that. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, can you, what's the, I mean, we will have the links to your books in a bit anyway, but what's, what's the name of your book? Please do share that with us because I think I want to get your book as well. Right. It's called Building Trust, Exceptional Leadership in an Uncertain World. And it's really intended, so I, I've laid out everything in there. I've, I've laid out the whole model. I, I lay out you know practical applied approaches to actually pulling the levers. I give case studies and examples, and I've written it in a way that people can actually approach it. The, it's not written like an academic. It's written, there's stories, there's, you know, people who read it say it's a, it's a really approachable book. The masterclass is three hours in length. It's 34 sort of five-minute segments that include role plays and exercises. When I do the deeper stuff, I'll do these eight-week courses where it's two weeks of content, which includes individual coaching, group coaching, exercises, practice. And what people find is they say, you know, it, it sounds easy and it looked like it should be easy. But then when I tried it, it felt like a new exercise. I felt awkward and uncomfortable, but the response was so overwhelmingly positive, mm. right? Because that first conversation is, you know, I'm taking a trust course and I want someone to practice with. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to practice with me, be my trust buddy. And people are like, really? Well, that's, yeah. It's something very unique. That. I mean, I've read so many books on leadership and mindset because I'm, I'm a mindset coach, money mindset coach specifically. Yeah. And I had never considered um this you know this being a, an aspect that i had to learn i just i think I, i've just learned it by default by all the, the right. things i've been through but i'm innately good put, at it yeah and i'm naturally just i'm I'm just naturally a very honest person and i thought that's the reason why people trust me because i'm just very honest but i think there's deeper there's a deeper um, meaning to it there's a deeper level that i wasn't even aware and it's, it's very subconscious but it's something that can be honed even further 
to yeah. to improve the business even more and to have a greater impact because i think in order for us to have a greater impact we need people to trust us yeah. and um, i mean i'm i i remember this one thing that i remember my mother always did my mother was a was, she was just such a typical um south asian woman but she was a mother to like i mean mother to everyone when i say everyone she was everyone's mother it, it doesn't matter right. if older her or younger than her she's everyone's mom and she would go up and you know tell strangers off and she would slap because she doesn't slap she would go and slap strangers i'm not kidding right, right. i've never seen people turn around and be disrespectful to her they actually respected her listened to what she said and she got away with it and it wasn't like but it was like i as a child i was flabbergasted like you've just told the stranger off we were slapped like strangers like you know who the hell do you think you are and the stranger would listen to her and they wouldn't talk back to her or anything but she must have had this ability to get people to trust her because yeah. her reaction was not selfish there was a, obviously a different motive and she's coming across and she just she came across as your mom anyway it doesn't matter what right. she was so nobody talked back to her nobody disrespected her and they all listened to her and i've always been astonished i thought this is just a natural gift but she must have had this ability to make even strangers trust her and allow her to even get physically abusive to them and she obviously she's not going to pick them up but they're just like a slap here you know who the hell do you think you are like a, you know like a mother would and people responded very positively i've never ever saw anyone i mean anyone hold that kind of authority that she did with right. old people obviously know but oh strangers too and everybody you know nobody crossed the line with her with the boundaries wise but at the same time they loved her they absolutely loved and adored her because she was so generous so loving so giving uh, right. if she's eating something if you've come there doesn't matter if you're full or not she will give you her, literally you give you have to eat with her she ha- she'll feed you at the same time you just have no option to say no you just if you're there when she's eating or she's doing something you're having a portion of her food there's no option about it but that's how generous she was forget right. everything else with the food so that came through in her personality but that is a next level element of, of building trust that this person There's, has your best interest at heart. And therefore you yeah. just, you never ever get antagonistic, you never get into an antagonistic, um, you know, a reaction to her because you just, you never, you know, you're like, okay, she's a bomb. Okay. Fair enough. And so much integrity. And, and so much, right? so much integrity. She was, she was just so honest. Like it was just, it was just, these are know, my values. Yeah. I'm going to, doesn't matter what the situation is. These are my values. Yeah. And, I'm about what's best for those around me. So just oozes benevolence, yeah. right? Ooh, yeah, 100%. And benevolence isn't always about being nice. This is one of the mistakes that people make is they think, oh, we're going to sing Kumbaya and we're going to... But if, if I'm a leader and somebody comes to me and says, I want to get a promotion, then benevolence is actually saying to them, okay, so I'm going to hold you to higher account. Um, I'm going to put you in more difficult positions and and stretch you. Um, I'm going to expose you more to the rest of the organization because if I promote you, I need to be able to make the case to everybody else. And so it's about to get harder. And that's what benevolence looks like. And, you know, when my son came to me and said, dad, I want to get a baseball scholarship. I said, okay, well, that means you have to work hard. Mm-hmm. You've got to eat well. You've got to study hard and get good grades. You've got to, you know, have good relationships with your coaches so they'll recommend you. You've got to have good relationships with your teammates so that if scouts come and and look, they see that you're a good teammate. And so all of these things that parents harp on their kids about all of a sudden now became, instead of me nagging him, it became dad's got my back. Yeah. The whole story changed. Yeah. Right. And 
that was a, a place for us to bond and connect where I was able to say, you know, how, and you know, he, he came to me at one point and he said, we're not going to be very good this year. You know, our team's terrible. And he said, we're going to lose a lot. Like we might lose every game. And I said, well, you need to redefine what success is. Yeah. What is success for you? What would a good season look like for you? And he said, well, control the things I can control. Have good relationships with my coaches. The reason we're not going to be very good is it's a younger team. I'm one of the older guys. So I need to mentor some of my colleagues, you know, mentor some of the younger guys. And I need to work hard and try to get better myself. And so as we were going through the season, he would say, oh, God, we're losing every game. Like, we're terrible. And I said, how are you doing, right, against the metrics that you set, the things that you have control over? And, you know, he made the all-star team. His coaches loved him. His teammates loved him. And he had a good season. He was able to define success around terms that he had control over. Mm-hmm. So I love the stuff I do. And I, the I, impact think, that I, I, I think that's really, really powerful. And I think, I think that's a good point to wrap this up. So I, I, we, we can carry on talking forever, Dara. I think this topic is absolutely, it's blown my mind. It's very rare that I come across a new topic that I hadn't considered before because I consider myself an avid learner and I'm always learning about different things all the time, including AI now. I had never considered learning about trust as much as I have learned from you in this short conversation. So we're going to have you have to have you back on money talkies, but um, for now, I think we'll wrap this up. So tell us, Daryl, how can we uh, connect with you? Where can we find you on the internet? Go to trustunlimited.com. And that's my website. There's a blog section there that's got articles and podcasts connected to it. You can find me on LinkedIn, Daryl Stickle. You can email me, Daryl at trustunlimited.com. You can find the book anywhere that books are sold online. I'm going to uh, get so is, is it. Is it available on Audible? Because that's where it, it is. Okay. I'm going to yep. get your Audible book because I, I think that's my next thing. I'm going to get your Audible book. Yeah. So the Audible book is the book's available on Audible as an ebook and uh, on Amazon paperback. or any of the other in paperback. The masterclass is available on my website at trustunlimited.com. So dip your toe, get the book and, and read it, start applying the concepts and then see if, if you want to take it to a deeper level, because this is a skill we can build, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I, until this moment, I hadn't even considered it. I just thought you naturally have it. Or you don't. And I just didn't realize, realize like anything else, it's a skill that you can build on. You may have, um, you may be gifted. As a, like, I think I, I have a natural gift yeah. for it, but there's always room to improve. And especially as I grow and as, as a, the more I become entrusted with you know, multiple companies and different, as I grow as an entrepreneur, the more I need to, um, build on this ability to, to have you know to be to instill trust in the people in yeah. my ability to run the companies as well as um to be able to run them successfully yeah. so i think i think i think it's definitely a skill worth having but anyway thank you so much for being such an amazing guest today um i just i think we're definitely going to speak to you on money talk on money talkies but for now thank you so much for being a guest today daryl thanks for having me and thanks everyone for listening and thank you for listening to me and Daryl today on Friday Future. I will be back with another amazing guest finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time, meet. this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, 
www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.